welcome to Tilt Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about inferro biologicals. And in our spotlight, we're going to take a look at some pork information when the going gets tough, the tough eat pork. A history minute. We'll talk about the beginnings of starter fertilizer. Cool beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events and we'll wrap it all up with our ag idiom of the week. So with me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey guys. Max Garvey. What's up everybody? Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So here we are. Still feels like a nice brisk fall day out there in the end of April. We got some areas, not not where we live, but some areas got about three inches of snow yesterday. And there were some accidents due to snow. There was places that had the snow plows out. So yeah. that's how, yes, it, it was I saw that some, bad in spots. I saw like Kansas, like they got they got more they got snow than hammered, we did. Yeah. They got like a pretty good dose. Is it? Wow. Yeah. Which if you know anything, they're south of us. <laughs> so they're ahead of us. So snow <laughs> is probably not optimal for them. So if you ever need a reminder that it's still April and not not really summer yet, there it is. Is it don't like the weather, just wait a couple minutes. It'll change. Well yeah. Yeah. If we we got pelletized little snowballs dip, dip, last dip night. Dipping dots. For a little yeah, bit. Yeah. That's what they look like. How how did that guy put it? You yeah, you said it was rain and urea. Rain and urea, yeah. I did say if you listen to some of our past podcasts, we did talk about how much nitrogen is in snow. Right. So there you go. I said there is maybe a little bit of a urea wee bit. in there. Be tenths of pounds. <laughs> yes. Wee. Hundredths of pounds was what we got yes. yesterday in the it was snow, then it would sun would come out. Yeah, I think we had snow. Some, some grobble. Oh yeah, grobble. 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 Some grobble mixed yeah. in there for a minute. Yeah, no, when you looked at the radar, it was like this weird mix of like blue snow patch, green rain patch, like, and it was not a solid mass like we normally would get in a storm. It was like literally just little bitty clouds everywhere. It was kind of like looking at Cropscape. Yep. And they're having a hard time deciding what's in a field or like when it's a field that's got a lot of weeds and stuff. So you just get a field that's yeah. all different color pixels. There's, yeah. there's deciduous forest in the middle of this cornfield. That's kind of weird. <laughs> you could just see, like you'd look out in the distance and it'd just be this gray blob. And it's like, yep, they're getting snow and i am got sunshine. Yeah, no, I, uh, There was a couple times where it was sunny, but I was getting snowed on. Yep. Yeah. Which I know if it's a rain shower, it's a... It's called a sun shower then. Like if it's if it's sunny but you're getting rained on, but I I don't they don't have a term for if it's sunny and you're getting snowed on. Do you down. get a rainbow when it's sunny and snowing? No, right? I didn't see any rainbows I yesterday. Think you that could. You should. I mean, because it's just the prismatic effect of the water moisture vapor. in the air. So I mean, but it's possible. Fro- does frozen water not give like? Is the light not able to re- reflect correctly? Reef. Refract, refract, not reflect, refract, refract. I would think it would depend on, yeah, the consistency when it was more I, sleety, you might be able to see it. I would think yesterday, like when it was snowing dipping dots, that would be hard to get. Yeah. The, yeah. Then you wouldn't probably get it, but what Max, what are we in now? I mean, a week later, what's your, your, um, weather in that third winter? I think, I think this is the end now? of third winter and we're starting spring. Are, are we going to see fourth winter perhaps? I hope not. What's Max's prediction? Yes. Is I saw my shadow yesterday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what is that? Mean? Are you Punxsutawney Phil? Yeah. Punxsutawney Max. But yeah. Ah. Um, not. 
I'm hoping. I mean, I got a lot of guys who are talking. They want to start putting some stuff in the ground. So it's got to warm up here eventually, right? Eventually it will. Yeah, what I've been saying is it's still April next week. Like, I know it seems like with the, the way the, the ground is, it, it should be later, but it's not. The Google machine officially says that a snowbow is not possible. Possible base. I mean, you Bummer. can kind of get it, but it's it's because of the rain part in a rainbow. But yeah, snowbows are not no go for thing. the snowbow. Looks like yeah. I, I just checked, and next Tuesday they're talking sixty-eight for a high, so it could be a good I, sign. What I do it's like, coming. spring's coming, but we had that. A few weeks ago, and then it was we almost eighty a couple days. Well, right. and it's weird because we've had just very like one or two days of warm, and then cold, fairly cold. Yeah. So it's what I do like is look at the nighttime temperatures next week. They're they're warmer, way warmer. Like yeah, today was twenty five or whatever. high thirties. Yeah. Next week, yeah, high thirties, even some holding some forties overnight. Forty one, forty two. I did hear the Dakotas had down to fifteen two nights Ooh. ago. That's what Kansas too had. Yeah. It was got really cold. Are you just watching Kansas weather now, man? Well, you know the um, the Peterson Farm Bros. Oh, they're they're, I follow them sure. on Facebook, and that's Kansas. And then I also follow. Um, He's got a did Jordy uncle, tweet you, <laughs> Uncle in Fort Leavenworth down there. He likes to keep an eye. On <laughs> also, I also follow uh, the Space Plowboy on Twitter. Okay, uh, um, some people Terry, call me a Space Plowboy. <laughs> Terry Griffin. <laughs> Some people call me the gangster of soil. Good thing you said the S word, not the D word. <laughs> no, we so, hopefully yeah. don't have too much dirt out there. Between Peterson Brothers and uh, Terry Griffin, I get all my Kansas news that I need. Is that Peter's brother? What's Terry? that? <laughs> 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 Is he from Boston? No, I, I don't know where he's from. Kansas somewhere. <laughs> It's yeah, a big it's state. Could be anywhere. We've been there. Todd and I took a nice little yep. road trip down there. Things ended wonderfully well for us while we were in Kansas. We'll just leave it past that. Oh, is that the Varus trip? Yeah. yeah. Shh, we don't talk about that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, next topic. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, All right. Well, anybody else have anything? Otherwise, we can get into our topic for today. Let's go. Let's do it. All right. So inferobiologicals. So we've got some root inoculants that Todd's got for us. What are we What are we looking at here? Yeah, so we're getting a bunch of questions on just different um, infero kind of biological, just to be specific. So there's other groups of infero fertilizers, infero plant growth regulators, and other things. Today we're focusing on a biological that you're putting in either sometimes their seed treatments. Um, more of them seem to be in furrow currently and seed treatments are coming. Um, but just that's going to be something you see a lot more products coming on, especially with the price of corn and price of soybeans. I think you'll see more of these coming out. And also some of them do work. So, and some can work in your situation and may not work for your neighbor because of what's in them. So what we want to focus on today is sort of the active ingredient of them and then the care instructions of them because we're working with a biological. So if you have something like that, it's a lot, right. And so um, we can kill it if we use it incorrectly and then you're basically wasting your money. So these are ones where you really do want to watch the instructions of how to put it on because you might kill whatever you're putting in and then it didn't do you any good. So, um, and 
with looking at the active ingredients, that will also hopefully tell us a little bit about what it is going to do. Um, because a lot of these, we don't always know why they work or what they're doing. And so that's been a, a troublesome part too, is you might see a big yield increase on a field and the next one you don't see any. So we want to try to start identifying times where these will work and times where they won't. So um, we came up with about um, four or five of them that showed active ingredient and had some, you know, basic things that we could base off of. There's not an active ingredient I didn't put on the list because I didn't know what it's doing or why. It's usually good to know what you're putting on your field. It is, yes. Know what you're buying because that way you could at least identify if you're trying multiple products. So if you do a plot, then you can say, okay, we, we know we had this and we had this. Not, uh, I don't know what it was, and now I don't know what active ingredient, if it's, could it be the same? Who knows? The other part with plots is a good point, Matt. With this is, a lot of these plots, when they do these, it's mixed in with a fertilizer or something else. And so is it the fertilizer giving you some of the benefit, or how much of the lifting is this biological doing? So when you do plots or checks, this is a good one to, if you are going to just flip it on and off, you can't. If you have fertilizer mixed with it, you can't just do, well, this did better because you got other things in with that mix. So it is one where on your farm, the more you can do a true side-by-side, the better. Yeah, absolutely. So it's always a good idea to do some side-by-sides. The first one I've got is by Valent. It's called MycoApply Endoprime. And this one is an active ingredient of... Arbuscular. Thank you, Matt mycorrhizal fungi (laughs) and so it's got three different or four sort of strains of that type of fungi in it um so it's also interesting that way where some of these are just sort of one fungi some have multiple strains of that it's interesting because a lot of times you hear about the mycorrhizal fungi um being talked about and it it kind of gets referred to like it's just one thing but it's not there are a lot of different types of fungi that make up the group that is mycorrhizal. And so what this one tries to do is create, it's a symbiotic fungus that'll um, inoculate your roots and then basically allow hyphae to grow and then those hyphae bring in nutrients to your plant. So when there's abiotic stress, um, and this, the next part I'm going to get to is claims from the company is basically that it's going to help improving nutrient and water uptake. So when the plant is stressed, it'll help you. It didn't really get into when it's not stressed necessarily how much it would help, but it did say if you got any stressful situations, this will help because you got more um, more of sort of that root system because of the hyphae growth to pull it in. So well, just, just to back up a second, so abiotic stress, if you're wondering, is physical rather than biological, not derived from living organisms. So if you don't have a lot of biological, it's hopefully stimulating that. That's the type of stress we're talking about. I don't know if everybody knows abiotic. No, I've, that's a good point. But yeah, go ahead. And it's going to hopefully increase your root system by as much as 50 times. So that's a really good... It's, it's, it's a lot of surface area in the soil. Right. It? And it's probably more... The hyphae are smaller, if you will, than what the roots are, right? So that hopefully they can reach pores and reach things that your roots can't reach. And then taking it up and feeding it to your plant. So kind of a extra feeler, if you will, kind of very crude there. But so, so this one on a sandy soil where you maybe don't have a lot of biological activity, 
could be better. Um, where you have, say, a very biologically active soil, I don't know if this one will do as much because maybe it's already there. Right, it's more of a jump start to get, yeah. get that community built is so, what they're looking at. So that too, and it, it is right, you know, when you're putting it, the reason why these are sort of working is you're, you're in furrow or you're right by the seed, and that's the important part where I like, even as a two-by-two, two, these won't work because it's too far away to inoculate. We're putting such a low amount that really what the goal is just to kind of inoculate that and then get the growth started. So, and then this one, as far as um, sort of care and use instructions is it seems to be that they didn't have as many of like, don't let it freeze. Don't, um, you know, so I, I don't know if it's in a form that it doesn't matter as much. Um, but when we get to into some of the other ones, you'll, you'll see that we got to, take better care of it. And this one, um, I'm sure you still have to do that because it's a biological, but I didn't find anything specific to kind of yeah, say well, that we got to watch out. Good. So what else? The next one's been around a while because we've heard of this one for a while, Bill, is Saber-X. Yeah. Um, so and that's using a trichoderma, um, basically three, no, excuse me, two types of trichoderma um, living organisms to stimulate root growth. And then the more I got reading about trichoderma is these are really like a fungicide. Um, so they act very similar to a fungicide. And so where it says competes with root pathogens is it kind of is actually sort of an act, acting like that to sort of stop. Like preventing the... Um, yeah, fungicide is maybe a bad word. Where it's, it's preventing pathogens is yep. more what it's doing. Um, so this one is a little bit different that way where you're, you're kind of, if you got sort of that problematic soil, it might help more. Um, I guess, do you guys have any other ideas where you've seen this one work better versus other ones or why that, you know, having this? I know some of the companies that I've seen it marketing, they're, they're kind of marketing too to small grains. Okay. You know, so maybe, you know, I don't know exactly why, but, you know, we're planting some of those in the fall, so maybe boosting some of that activity in the fall and into the winter, helping not just throughout the growing season. Um, but I know it's like Saber-X, they push that a lot in, in winter wheat. Yeah, so and when you go, like, when you just Google Trichoderma hazarium, which is one of them, it, it basically says is a fungus that is also used as a fungicide. Um, used as foliar seed treatment, soil treatment. It's cannibal? For suppression of various disease-causing fungal pathogens. So it's a, f it's, like Bill said, it's a fungal, it's a fungal, fungal that stops other fungi. Yeah. yeah. Cannibal. It's territorial. It's like, no, you cannot come into my neighborhood. Oh, so it's like a, it's like a, uh, um, it's the bouncer. A beneficial, a beneficial it's insect. It's a like, beneficial uh, insect. It's a beneficial fungi. Fung fungi. Beneficial fungi, yeah. And this one looks like it's a little more specific in how it has to be Correct. handled. So it, it says right on the bottle, contains living organisms, store in cool, dry place, out of direct sunlight, and 45 to 77 degrees, do not let it freeze. So um, keep it, yeah, keep it. So if you out. had it outside the last few <laughs> right. days, you're in trouble. You might have killed, you know, what was in it. So, yeah, this one we want to try to just... Still not as bad as some of the ones we'll get to where you got to even care more from, but has something on there that you got to watch that we keep it alive. Sure. So you got it in your shop, and your shop is not controlled. Just take it in your basement. 
Yeah, basement should be a good, good idea. Right? Yeah. yeah, should say cool, dark, and unless you have a walk-in basement or something with a lot of sunlight. Right. But. All right. What's our next one? The Tim? next one is one that seems to be getting a lot more um, hearing about a lot more more about it last two years is Envita, and it's by Exotic uh, North America. And Ooh, sounds exotic. Yeah, exotic. Um, Invita is a nitrogen fixing solution, and so the active ingredient of that. Matt, can you read this one? No. <laughs> if you can, I'll buy a case of glue. Your favorite Conacetobacter diosotrophius <laughs> Troph- trophicus. Sorry, it's pretty close, man. So this one. Um, very specifically is a do not freeze um, that this one and it has on seen in two different spots where it said if you could refrigerate it you should Um, and it says store between four degrees celsius and eight degrees celsius on the on the bottle so i looked that up and that's 39 to 46 degrees fahrenheit so basically it kind of said if you can refrigerate it do that you don't have to but it said it would be better, be and better, yeah. it just sort of said to try to keep this one. Um, said store in well ventilated buildings, away from food stuff and feed, and keep out of direct sunlight again. So, so don't put it in the fridge in the in the kitchen. Right, right, right. You can't store it next to food stuff or feed. So I, this one in the you know in the basement or just somewhere cooler too probably would this be fine. Lunch meat tastes like Invita. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. How do you know what Invita tastes like? It's, uh, it's fixing the nitrogen in the food. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so, so this one too, that Glucinobacter bacteria is a very common one in in sort of nitrogen stuff. That, like Instinct, that product actually kills one of those bacteria, a different type um, that converts nitrogen that's in the form of nitrate to the, or excuse me, that goes that changes forms of nitrogen. So these are all ones that can kind of help. Um, change that nitrogen equation for your farm is what it says. So sure. I think to I see, help. I see it's infra or foliar. Yeah. Yeah. So it potentially has more than one application. So the, um, this one, like I said, it's been one that we're seeing potential results on. We got to do a lot more research to see sort of when and why, um, you know, does it work better on sandy soils where you have less organic matter? Probably. Uh, but we'll kind of learn more about this product as we use it more. But it is one that um, you just the the use instructions are very specific. The other thing it does get into is that you do want to you don't want to mix it directly with the fertilizer because it'll kill it. So either you put this in, then you got to dilute it down with about three gallons to the acre of water, and then put the fertilizer in, or it showed the opposite. So you could put the fertilizer in, then water than this product. And it also says you should use it up within, I believe it was six hours. So you can't leave it in the tank overnight. You pretty much got to put it in right before you're going to go. Correct. Right. You don't want to leave this one sort of in the tank. It's going to kind of, you know, I think that that it's going to start killing it as soon as you put it in there. So, yeah, it says apply on farm within six hours of mixing in Vita with starter fertilizer. So... Uh, one bigger thing to think about is whenever we're mixing to these biologicals with starter fertilizer is it's it's kind of a i wouldn't say a bad idea but those you know starter fertilizer is very high salt not a good environment for it so it's just kind of a watch out thing and a be careful 
And um, I don't know if down the line we'll start, you know, if you have a two-by-two two placement and in furrow, if you'll put more of, say, your starter fertilizer type of stuff in your two-by-two two two, two, yeah. and then your biological in furrow just to keep it alive. Um, just things to think about is because these are, are living things. Right, yeah, you don't want to. If you kill them, then you're really basically not you're putting fertilizer out, kind of. Right. Dead organism. Right. But that's not what we really are looking for. And Vita does also say in the absence of fertilizer tank mix, so say it's just the diluted, you know, say you just put water with it because you have to dilute it down, then it's stable in water for up to 12 hours. So in the starter fertilizers, it was six. This was up to 12. Sure. So still not something you want to leave overnight. No. Still something you got to mix kind of while you're going. Um, but it, it does, you know, that salt from the fertilizer does affect yeah. All right. So next, the, the next one that I hear a bunch about, but I have, and they're like they're advertising a lot. I don't know if you guys well, pivot. It, it's proven. Pivot Bio Prove N, um, and this product is active ingredient of Calbacilia varcola one thirty seven. So I like how it's even specific to not one thirty eight. The other yes. one thirty six were, were, were no, eh, yeah but preparations A through whatever did <laughs> A not through work. G. We're, we're, we're failures, but preparation H feels good on the whole. So the, this one is uh, very sweet, and the other varcola species are actually they were originally identified as a benign endosymbiont in plants. So. They're like uh, they're benign, so they usually don't. They're not necessarily living, and then they they sort of help plants. So kind of an interesting one, and they found it first in cattle feces. So I'm not sure exactly where the number one thirty seven where they found that one, but this one um, was found in was feces adjacent, perhaps. Yes, yes, and a lot of on um, sugar cane with this as well. That it helps a lot with like mm-hmm. banana trees and sugar cane, and so, so there's other tropical, things. It's, yeah, it's not necessarily all these aren't necessarily like corn specific necessarily, but they, you know, like we talked about with that Saberex where it can help small grains too. Is I think we're figuring out which ones maybe work a little bit better with different crops. Well, and I think that's part of this whole biological thing is we don't. There is so much biology there that you've got to kind of pick and choose and figure out. Okay, what's what's good. And and go with it. This one has you know store in cool, well ventilated kind of areas and thirty two to seventy degrees. This one's probably good. Temp, so well, almost the highest end because what the other ones were most, mostly like forties, fifties. Saberex lets you go to seventy seven. Yeah, so, so it, it's, these it, two are on the higher end. Yeah, yeah. And um, this one's supposed to kind of have microbes that create a symbiotic relationship with the corn plant and then sort of are able to produce nitrogen and deliver it to the roots. So um, kind of the similar thing we're saying at all of these in general. And so this one kind of has that same thing where it's supposed to kind of give you some nitrogen and help you along that so way. It's a give some, get some type. Yep. It's obviously getting something from the corn in, in exchange. So did You have uh, Keep Out of Reach of Children and Animals. Did they have some... Other verbiage that this specifically said that you know you don't notice that on other things like this. Like you need to no the MSDS sheets on all these were interesting because they're fairly safe, right? So I think that one was just thrown on there to to just just part of a 
remember there is a warning on the outside of your coffee cup when you get it from McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. It says oh my God. content's hot. So don't drop in your lap. But I Wilbur. wondered with this one of like we said, it's found in feces that maybe it is sure. something that, you know, like you say, would be worse if a kid got into it or animals. But yeah, in general they all kinda had that similar um uh, it says here, just looking up Klebsiella is fevers, chills, coughing, shortness of breath. Like so, there is, some, and I'm sure probably why it's one thirty-seven and not the other one thirty-six. <laughs> but yeah, that it must cause a reaction in people. Yeah, some strains oh. are associated with diseases in humans, is yeah. what it says. So yeah, and one of them, one K. Orcola have also been isolated from cows suffering from bovine mastitis. Mm. So one of these types is also with that. So yeah, kind of an interesting family groups that, you know, I'm I'm guessing it's in our manure that we're applying, you know, and is helping plants and stuff. So which is probably why they chose it. Yeah, it's something close to what's already there. We see in our organic fertilizer that is manure. Yes. So it's not that the first 136 trials didn't work. (laughs) It's that there's a hundred and whatever versions of this that do other things and some are good, some are bad. Yeah. Nice. And then the last one we got that's a little different. Um, This is in a different category, more of a nutrient use efficiency or soil amendment. Um, So that's one thing just to think about as you look at when somebody tries to sell these on their farm, first thing they ask is like, what's the active ingredient and what does it do? And um, this one is called Zypro, and it's from Helena. And the active ingredient is phospholipase C. And if you look into that a little bit more, that is a, um, it's a enzyme that cleaves phospholipids. So basically what that's doing is sort of, Phospholipids, if you if am I right, Matt, are good in the soil because in some of your soil well, health things you're looking. They're at used that. as an indicator of the size of your bi- your biological community. So it's it's something we test for in or you can test for with a PFLA test, the phospholipid fatty acid test, and that gives you an idea of of what of some indicators of your biological community. So yeah, that's what we were talking before about. So cleaving, if that would be a good thing, like helping propagate, or if it's... Yeah, it seems yeah. to... The farmers I've had use this one like it, and it seems like they're getting you know, better growth. And um, it, it does say in one of the things I read about it, it's sort of if you got high organic matter already, it's better because it sort of breaks that down and makes it available, which makes sense if it's cleaving things yep. and breaking them down. So this one, you know, maybe on a sand you wouldn't use it as much as something where you got higher organic matter soil already. Um, so, yeah, just an interesting one. Didn't this one, too, no necessarily specific care instructions of of sort of watching out um, kind of the normal stuff, but just in a, sort of a different family where it's an enzyme versus, versus um, actually, yeah. a fungus or bacteria. Yep. Yeah, but, yeah, I'm still that same kind of boost in that root growth and helping better uptake so yeah interesting and so yeah to to wrap up these are kind of the the five sort of some of the first ones we're hearing about there's going to be more there's going to be ones that work on your farm and don't work for your neighbor there might be even times where you want to use one of these one year and then switch it up the next year because you're 
like Matt said, you're jump starting that biological activity. So I don't know if over time as well, you know, some, you know, maybe work great the first couple of years and then all of a sudden you sort of either have that jump started or, or you maybe don't see as much of a response. Um, so that'll be an interesting thing too with these where you might actually want to change it up and try different ones over time. Yeah. And what's interesting too about biologicals, we're still pretty deep in the weeds on it, but we know that as you rotate crops, your community does change somewhat too. So if you're seeing a positive reaction in corn, when you switch to soybeans, you may not see the same reaction because it, it might may be building a good population for corn. But when you switch to soybeans, soybeans might have different needs. So even crop rotation would be something to pay attention to when you're you're testing out some of these products. I think the other good thing, guys, with these products is being that they're semi-relatively new, the companies are looking to kind of demo products. You know, so I think if you find a rep in your area, you might even be able to get a jug for half price or free or whatever to to try it out. So it might be a good, we were talking about side-by-sides before, like these are good things to do for side-by-sides. And I would encourage you to try them out with water if you could, yeah. because then your chance of killing it's let, you know, store it properly, try it with water. And then you don't see the starter effect of potentially what's there. If you just turn it on and off. Set yourself is, up is, too. If you're going to do these side-by-sides to actually be able to take the yield results or whatever you're looking to, to measure. I've done it, these in past two years and, it just works out. We don't get the data in the back end, and we don't know well, if it did any good or that's not. That's a good point, Bill, because usually, almost all the time, these will look better at emergence. You know, these products are set up that it'll be a leaf ahead, or it, you, there'll be a visual thing there. It's just then when you take it to yield, you may or may not right. see yield results. So that's one thing is, even though your 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 corn may look way better or something like that, you can't necessarily say, "Well, this product worked." It's got to go all the way to yield it might have just got you out of the ground a day quicker and just looks that much better but it didn't necessarily result in yield all right so there you go look at some infero products that have potential for uh some positive things in your farm as always like we said at the end here make sure you're you're doing some test strips and trying things out before you go whole hog and betting the farm on it so now we'll move into our Ag History Minute. All right, today we're going to talk about starter fertilizer a little bit. The university research in the 1950s suggested that corn was planted with starter fertilizer placed two and a half inches to the side and two and a half inches deeper in the ground. The seed would increase yields at harvest, but none of the planters on the market had large enough frame or enough weight to force the fertilizer that deep. So manufacturers came up with heavier corn planters with fertilizer attachments and blades to plant corn with this new technology. Heavier planters also meant that farmer's tractor had to have enough power to pull it efficiently. So starting in the 50s, that's when we started to see that placement in the ground and had to adapt our technology and now now we've got all sorts of technology in our planners so it was just kind of the start back there in the 1950s it's interesting how the research was ahead of the techn- the, te- the, the equipment right, sort the equipment of side, I, yeah. when this came out i thought it would be like 
the equipment could do it, and then we were figuring out, does this really even help, or what does it do? Right, is it worth it? Yeah. So that's interesting. And they were two and a half and two and a half down. I thought that was, you know, you guys say two by two, and yep. when it started, it was 2.5 by 2.5. So they just dropped the extra half inch. Yeah. It sounded they better. Just, two yeah. <laughs> Easier math. Yep. <laughs> so let's get rid of these halves. <laughs> Well, good. Thanks, Matt. And if you like what you're hearing and you want an independent crop consultant, go to the National Alliance of Independent Crop Consultants, naicc.org, and there you can find a crop consultant in your area. We appreciate all you listening. We appreciate all our listeners out there tuning in every week. And all we ask is you tell a farmer friend. So he might say, well, what is a podcast? Where can I find this? And if you tell him, go to tiltheg.com backslash podcast you can listen to it right from a browser on your phone or your computer or wherever and if he doesn't want to do that he can try his podcast player on his phone so apple podcasts or or uh, we use podcast addict or there's other android apps as well all right now we'll move into our cool beans, that's corny for this week. So, cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. All right. Our cool beans this week was a retired law enforcement diver used his tractor to help end a police chase. Now, that's pretty cool. And it was a nice little Kubota bucket tractor. <laughs> I'm looking at the picture here, it looks like it's a... Seen a few uh, few miles on it. So that thing's been up and down the driveway about a million times. Mm, by the we stop in chases with it, just giving it. <laughs> so Union County in North Carolina, a long dramatic police chase ended once he was corralled with the help of a man on a tractor. Buzz Palmer was tilling his garden using this, his tractor. This whole thing just sounds... This is exactly what I expect <laughs> out of this story. You knew his name was going to be Buzz. Buzz Palmer. Yeah. Dude, that's right there. Okay, yep. continue. The, Sorry, continue. And the police chase came right down his gravel driveway. So... so Buzz Palmer, is that the alcoholic Arnold Palmer drink or not? Buzz is that when Palmer? you add booze <laughs> to it? Can I get a Arnold? Buzz Palmer, please? That sounds awesome. This guy should have a drink named after him, though. This guy's pretty brave when you think about it. Like, I know a tractor's I, probably heavier than that car, but that's an open You're like, yeah, this is like, open yeah. cab. You're exposed. Right. He, he runs into you, you roll. He could have done some da- well, he could have done some damage to the car and probably to himself, but you know, bravery happens. So good good for that guy. Good for that guy. Well, and you got to work like you don't know what's coming down your driveway at a million miles an hour if the guy's got a, you know, the perpetrator's got a gun, you know, you try to come up to him, you don't know what you're going to get. So Buzz has got some a Kubota some tractor stones. like that too. You're topping out at well, fifteen mile an hour. You know, I yeah. feel like the car could just drive around you. So you kind of got to. If you look at the, if you look at the picture, it looks like they kind of like trapped him. His his quote here is, "I was going to T-bone him. I put it in high gear, <laughs> got my RPMs up, and turned facing that way to block this where he was wasn't coming through. So yeah, there were a couple other cars involved, but yeah, he was he was going to ram the car." He does have a nice, uh, if you look at the bucket, he's got the nice uh, tooth bucket. So he would have really did some what? damage. Oh, yeah. That would have been, it would have been ugly for the driver. That's for sure. So. Got a little video there too, Matt? That's just the news video. I think oh. I was just going in to see if they had. I'm not going to see a helicopter footage if or there was, Yeah, that would be cool if there was some aerial footage of the guy. Ooh. Oh, maybe. there it is. There it is. Yep. Yeah, there is some, 
some off footage. Odin. So this is off of WSOC Channel 7. Yep, that's Palmer going after the driver on his tractor. Yeah. The guy drives around his fire pit and, uh, and starts heading back up. Right through his fence. garden. Right through the fence. Oh, uh, what a jerk. driver veers right and away. And Palmer maneuvers too. But once he passed here, he was trapped. There's no other way. Well, oh, he knows his oh, property. Oh, right into, into his legs. Little home field advantage there for yeah, Palmer. Yeah, I think he he knew where to send him. Without anywhere else to go, the driver plowed into this pond, and deputies swarmed in. As far as his part, Palmer says it was just the right thing to do. Did you think I'm putting my? That was pretty cool. Yeah. All you right. don't think of that when you're out driving the tractor tail in your garden, like today. Today I'm gonna. Today's the day. A little high speed chase action. <laughs> yeah. Although thinking back to your trip to Kansas, you did the same thing and you didn't even know. No. You did yeah. That we stopped. Uh, some. Yeah. Sometimes no you stop a perp law. and you don't even know what you yeah. did. Which just works out. Yeah. All right, and our that's corny for this week is, of course, the abnormal cold snow showers. And snow showers, I should say, will have southern Wisconsin shivering until later in the week. So finally we're seeing a warm-up now, but all this week's been pretty chilly out there. We had some pretty cold nights. Yeah, we had like a trifecta of freezing nights that are really, I don't know, I'm surprised the alfalfa doesn't, it looks as good as it does going through that, but yeah, they definitely got some some frost burn. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, highs in the 40s, lows in the upper 20s. It's not ideal when you have nice green crops above ground, but uh, hopefully I don't think, I haven't heard of anybody having corn above ground or any beans above ground in Wisconsin, but maybe. I know of some corn that is above ground in right. Wisconsin. Corn can corn usually handles it yeah, a little bit better. Beans are the ones I'd so be more worried about. It's, yeah, it's beans are better underground than corn is when it's cold, but corn's better, better above, just uh, above yeah, them. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So, so yeah, but hopefully we're we're moving out of that. But it is kind of corny when, just when we're ready to get rolling. we get got good field conditions. We get that nice cold snap. But we knew it was coming. What was that, two weeks ago? Yeah. They predicted. Oh, yeah. They, they were actually a little bit late, I would say. They they said the 15th, and we were... Was they, are we talking about Max with his third winter? No. We, are you well, trying to give Max no. credit? Yes. <laughs> yes, but I there was... I, we had an article where article was it was a prediction. cold front and a warm front meeting oh, yeah. in California, and it was going to come across. Yeah, we, were learning, we were learning more weather terms. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. The, the the something block weather pattern. Blockchain. Blockchain. No, that's Bitcoin. No, that's Bitcoin, yeah. <laughs> Dogecoin. Dogecoin. <laughs> Some Ethereum. All right. But anyway... Now we'll wrap it up with our egg idiom of the week. So, Todd, what do you got for us this week? I've got chicken out. So don't oh, chicken well, fi- out. Thanks. I w- hope you would have done something. I, you I know, was, when you, you didn't was, chicken no, out. It's your turn. Yeah, no, I was just oh, like, I'm, oh, I'm just oh, that's chicken idiom. My, chicken my, bad, out. my bad. Todd's chickening out on chickening yeah, out. I thought he chickened out on the, the egg idiom. My bad. So, yeah, so it means basically to opt out of something because of being frightened. The, the origin of this was very... Difficult. I thought it would have to do with like butchering chickens or I don't. But the only origin, and it said may have come from. So this, I don't know that we necessarily know where that term comes from. But may have come from 1864 Union Army enlistment, in which a chicken was provided to each person who enlisted. He would take that chicken home, clean dress, and cook it for dinner. 
with no refrigeration those days. Next day, come back to the ship off of, to ship off to the Union Army. So I'm assuming that some of those well, people that's a, that's a didn't, way more aggressive. Didn't take the chicken. No, I'm no, assuming they, they took, took the chicken, chicken and, and ran. And, and yeah, and, and then come didn't come back. To that would be chickening yeah, only. So you cashed out, took your chicken, yeah. boom, bada bing, bada boom. He gave me the chicken first, <laughs> suckers. <laughs> Can you imagine sitting on to eat that chicken and be like, well, today is my last day of happiness for a while. <laughs> but I got a chicken. But I got a chicken, so that's pretty cool. And no refrigeration. You got to cook the whole thing. Hopefully you had somebody else to share it. Right, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe back then they just eat a whole chicken. Depends how big the chicken is, I guess. They were actually uh, Cornish hens, not chickens. It was, it was, yeah. But it was Cornish, Cornish, Cornish henning out doesn't sound as cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't ye be Cornish henning out. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. So this week we talked about some root inoculants and inferro products that can be used. As always, make sure you do some test strips and try before you give it your all. Our Ag History Minute, we talked about the history of Starter a little bit and how that came to be. Cool Beans was a man on a Kubota ending a police chase, or helping to end a police chase. That's Corny was the cold weather, and our egg idiom, we wrapped it all up with chickening out. So, thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.